Welcome to the Stott Legacy. He is within us. He shares in the pain. We must not ask God to change his timetable because we're getting a little bit impatient. Well, think of the beginning of the first letter of Peter. John Stott was born on 27th of April, 1921. And in this, the centenary year of his birth, we're meeting different people around the world who either knew him or who were influenced by him. Please join me, Mark Mannell, as month by month we explore different aspects of the extraordinary life, ministry and legacy of Uncle John. Marcelo Vargas is a Bolivian living in the country's capital city, La Paz, where he is the director of the Centro de Capacitación Misionera, or the Mission Training Center, which he co-founded with his wife, Silvana. Before that, he was a student in Brazil, after which he was the first general secretary of the Bolivian Christian Students Movement, the one affiliated to the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students, or IFES. He's had many links with Langham, as we will discover, but he certainly couldn't have anticipated all of that when he first met Uncle John, or Tia Juan, as he was known throughout Latin America. Yes, my first encounter with Uncle John, Tio Juan, was in Recife, uh -huh. capital city of Pernambuco, Brazil, in 1980. An early trip. Yeah, I was very, I was young. I was university student. Uh, I, I was doing uh, studies on electrical engineering in Brazil. Although I am from Bolivia, you know, mm -hmm. I was studying in Brazil and I was planning to stay in Brazil working as an engineer. Mm -hmm. But this Congress <laughs> with Uncle John and Samuel Escobar sharing the pulpit changed my life. Ah. Uh, it was a national congress of the Alianza Biblica Universitaria do Brasil. Uncle John was preaching about the book of Acts. Uh -huh. He was writing what after that became a, a Bible commentary on Acts. Right. Uh-huh. So he presumably was speaking in English, translated into Portuguese. Yes. His, his preaching um, was very important for my decisions about the future because uh -huh. Samuel Escobar... Uh, a good friend of Uncle John, you know, mm. uh, was also preaching about uh, the mission at the universities in Latin America. Mm. And Samuel asked me, why you don't go back <laughs> to Bolivia to start the uh, university student movement? Yeah. Although I was planning to stay in. So had you graduated by then or were you about to graduate? Yeah, I was about to, to graduate. I was mm -hmm. 24 years old. I was uh, part of the group in my city, Belo Horizonte. Mm -hmm. And I, I was one of the leaders in the group. I, I became a Christian through the student movement in Brazil. Oh, I see. So you weren't from a Christian home? No, I never visited a, a, a Christian church before going to Brazil. Goodness. So do you remember John's 
preaching? I mean, were there particular messages you, you can look back on? Yes, uh, as I said to you, it was uh, on the book of, of Acts, it was uh, how to reach the world today, mm-hmm. uh, following the, the example of the disciples in the first century. Mm. So was that a surprise for Samuel to say that to you? It was very much a surprise. I didn't expect. And uh, because, uh, as I said to you, I, I was already working in right. Brazil in a very comfortable <laughs> place and uh-huh. in place, the preaching of, uh, of acts hmm. and the, the issues that Samuel also was teaching. So were you, um, were you reluctant? I mean, did you want to say no? Yes, I wanted to say no. At the beginning, I said, no, <laughs> I have uh, planned to stay here in Brazil. I, I don't want to go back to Bolivia. <laughs> I asked to God uh, two signs. <laughs> One was uh, converts in my small Bible study group at the university. And also uh, I asked for a wife. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to go back to Bolivia alone or single. And um, I think the rest is history, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Because you did. God gave this... uh, signs very clearly. <laughs> Converts in my small group, uh, my best friend and his fiance huh. became a Christians. Wow. wow. This year in, in 1980. Huh. Mm. So how soon after that conference did you actually move back to La Paz? In July 82. Okay. And was that to start the student ministry from nothing? Yes. We started, uh, we were a group of three staff workers, a missionary from England, Felicity mm-hmm. Houghton, a missionary from Scotland, Margaret Anderson, and, and myself. The three mm-hmm. of us were the pioneers. Did you get funding from outside the country? Because I guess people in Bolivia didn't see the need. Yes. uh, uh, The Brazilian movement sent me back. Right. With with, uh, uh, spiritual and financial support. Mm. (laughs) Uh, But uh, IFIS was behind uh, the Brazilian movement. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when the Brazilian movement couldn't uh, send me, sent right. me. Uh, IFIS was covering. Right, right. Did John know that this was happening when you when you did move? Did he know that it was as a result of the conference in Recife? No, he didn't know. But I met him in 1985. Uncle John was doing uh, Bible expositions on the second letter from Paul to Timothy mm-hmm. at the Latin American uh, fellowship 
of uh, staff workers uh -huh. uh, working at the evangelical uh, students IFIS, IFIS in Latin America. He was doing in, in Quito, Ecuador, mm -hmm. the Bible expositions. And, mm. and uh, I was not able yet to speak in English. But uh, at that time, I, I shared my testimony mm. with him. He must have been very encouraged by that. Yeah. I, I think uh, he kept my name. <laughs> And, and also, uh, the third time I met him was at the Institute for Contemporary Christianity right. in London. So he brought you over for that? I think so. I was doing some <laughs> arrangements to travel there. Uncle, Uncle John had uh, many contacts <laughs> all over the world, you know. The Institute accepted me and that was the last time that Uncle John was teaching the module on interpretation of the Bible. Ah. What year was that? 1991. 91. Okay. What did you learn particularly from that time in London? I mean, were there things that really had an impact on you? Oh, yes. We were people from many parts. I think... 25 countries were represented in, in wow. this a group of students. And we had very good uh, teachers, mm -hmm. professors. And of course, the subject of Uncle John was very challenging, made an impact in us, uh, taking the word of God from the ancient world to the contemporary world mm -hmm. uh, you know that that was uh, quite new for me although in the student movement we we think on that but uh, mm. the teaching of uncle john was uh, very much focused on that and, and also other teachers at the institute like ernest lucas Mm -hmm. and the issue of uh, science and science and faith mm. <laughs> yeah very good for me what were some of the the ways in which it was relevant for bolivia in the 80s and 90s i mean what were some of the most difficult questions that students at that time were asking you know the the program at the institute of contemporary Christianity was uh, not just teaching. Mm. Uh, also, we visited the, the flat, the small flat of uh, Uncle John mm -hmm. at Langham, Langham Street. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I think the, this combination of good teaching and also seeing the life of of Uncle John was very important. Uh, uh, he invited a group of students to his flat, and mm -hmm. uh, together with his assistant, he was uh, preparing a pizza for us. <laughs> <laughs> I saw also his small uh, library, his second-hand clothes, you know. Mm -hmm. 
his simple lifestyle, uh, his focus on discipleship was uh, very important for me. Coming back to Bolivia, uh, it, it was very, very challenging for, for me and for the student movement to, to live what we preach, what we teach, uh, not just uh, to see converts <laughs> to Jesus Christ, but to live the life that Jesus was showing us uh, during his time here. And that I think was also the, the purpose of uh, Uncle John. Yes. Was, was that very different from what you'd experienced of leaders in Bolivia or Brazil? Yes, yes. Uh, I think it was uh, more profound. Mm. More, more articulated from the Bible mm. to us. Mm. Living in a poor country like Bolivia, uh, we always are very close to, to social matters, you know. Mm. Mm. Uh, people in our churches uh, don't have, uh, sometimes don't have what to eat or where to work. Mm-hmm. Then we 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 need to to do something to help people. But uh, when the Bible is uh, clearly and properly preached, mm-hmm. each uh, that brings uh, light to us. You know, mm-hmm. where it's more challenging. Marcelo was a Langham Scholar in the 2000s while studying part-time for a PhD at the Oxford Centre for Mission Studies here in the UK. We've met a a number of Langham Scholars on the podcast before, and as many of you will know, it's a programme that began back in the 1960s when John would identify potential theological educators and church leaders from the majority world that he thought needed support with their training. And to date, Over 300 such leaders have been funded all over the world, with over 80 scholars currently being supported this year. And it was while on this programme that Marcelo saw John for the last time. The last time I met Uncle John personally was in Cambridge. Uh Ridley Ridley Hall. Uh Uh, When I was uh, uh, Langham Scholar. Right. I wanted to ask you about that. Yes. I was doing uh, my PhD in Oxford, mm-hmm. part-time student. I used to go to Oxford once a year for five, six weeks. Uh, but uh, sometimes uh, uh, the, the meeting of the Langham scholars in Cambridge uh, happened. And I think was was one of the last time that uh, Uncle John came Mm. to Cambridge. I remember that he was passing the leadership to Chris Wright. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was about 2005. I don't remember exactly the the year, you know. That that would be about right. So um, tell us how you got to doing the um, PhD, that was through Langham Scholars. Was John involved in that process? Not directly. 
uh, I, I was I went to the Oxford Center for Mission Studies mm-hmm. first with the help of the IFIS and the OCMS. Right. But uh, after some years studying with the help of uh, IFIS and, and OCMS, uh, uh, I needed more uh, time mm-hmm. to finish my PhD and I, and I asked uh, Langham to help mm-hmm. me. And the last uh, three years of my PhD that I finished in 2010, uh, I, I was uh, with the help of, of Langham. Uh-huh. What was your field of study? Uh, it was uh, anthropology and mission. Uh-huh. I mean, can you see the roots of that study in your time at the London Institute? Were there connections with what you'd done through John before? Yes, yes. Uh, all my Christian life, I think, was very much uh, uh, influenced by mm. the books of, of John, John Stott, Tio Juan. Uh, when I was a young Christian, uh, my first years as a Christian, uh, I, I read basic Christianity mm. and uh, Your Mind Matters. Uh, and then after some years uh, as a Christian, I, I met the book of the Cross of Christ. It was a, a growing knowledge of uh, Uncle John thinking mm-hmm. and influence. Then I, I believe in preaching. It was a very important book. Uh, and. Uh, uh, tomorrow I'm going to, to teach for a group of leaders in Bolivia from the book of issues facing Christians today. Uh-huh. Wow. And that's still relevant today, even though he first wrote it a few decades ago. Yeah, I am doing uh, my focus on, uh-huh. on the issues, but the, the basic... Uh, Hmm. challenges uh, we, we took from this book mm-hmm. uh, we are going to to teach uh, some uh, Christian leaders all of this year from this book but doing uh, the contemporary uh, applications for Bolivia you know I mean, that's a that's a fascinating thing. I mean, is it? Do you think his methodology in that book that is useful for teaching today? I mean, this is 2022. That was written what in the 80s, or maybe the late 70s. He started doing some of that stuff. Yes, uh, we we are taking part of this book, uh, the part mm. that uh, uh, teaches about uh, the complete doctrine of God, for example, mm-hmm. the doctrine of man, the doctrine of uh, church. Yeah, th- this methodology is uh, mm-hmm. helping us uh, uh, for the situation in, in Bolivia. 
the, the church needs basic <laughs> uh, foundations uh, renew it and teach it again mm. you know? Marcelo went on to explain how Stott's thinking about the relationship between evangelism and social action actually changed over time, largely as a result of meeting Latin American leaders like Samuel Escobar and René Padilla. We in fact met René's daughter Ruth back in episode 8. And it was at the 1974 Congress that met in Lausanne, Switzerland, a big gathering of worldwide church leaders organised by the Billy Graham organisation, that this influence particularly came to the fore. Because at the Congress, John was especially concerned that majority world voices be heard by Western church leaders. And Marcelo noted how these discussions were very influential back in his part of the world. Uncle John uh, opened the eyes of the world to um, biblical gospel, to mm -hmm. uh, more biblical teaching. I think uh, Uncle John, uh, after the discussions and uh, at Lausanne 74, he was uh, also changing <laughs> his mind, mm. uh, integrating, mm. integrating more evangelism and social work. Right. You know, uh, I think uh, we are in depth to Uncle John, the beginning of this uh, integration of having a holistic uh, mm -hmm. teaching. But I think the Latin Americans, people like Samuel Escobar, mm, René Padilla. Padilla, they, they developed the, the, the teaching that uh, Uncle John was, was uh, at the beginning was reluctant to see uh, evangelization and social work together, but he was very humble and learning from René and, mm. and Samuel at mm. Lausanne. And he was supporting very much these two uh, Latin American thinkers. And then I, I think today uh, the global church has uh, to thank uh, some of the Latin Americans that are uh, in this in this field of uh, having a integrated gospel, mm. and people recognise that actually John was quite important for making sure the rest of the world listened to people like Rene and Samuel and um, some of the guys from Africa like. Uh, um, Festo Kivengeri and others. It, it's fair to say, isn't it, that it was because John was making sure these other voices were on the stage and heard, otherwise it would have just been North Atlantic white people speaking, probably. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, from my own experience, you know, when, when I heard first uh, John, he was sharing the pulpit with someone Escobar, and also in, in, in Quito, when he was preaching from Second Timothy, he was sharing the pulpit with uh, Jorge Atiencia, mm -hmm. uh, mm. people like that. He's, these uh, 
behavior, you know, this, this focus on making a space for others, you know, mm -hmm. it was a very good challenge for us. I mean, was that, was that unusual? I mean, do you know if other people were doing that at the time? Today. <laughs> even today. <laughs> even today is, is difficult to see ah. uh, famous leaders, uh, leaders that are uh, writing books or, or, or doing campaigns or <laughs> uh, making space for others. The, the Latin American chauvinism is strong, you know. Uh, the culture uh, of Latin America is to have uh, uh, strong leaders. Right. And, and the leaders uh, stay until they die. <laughs> right. So there's no delegating or training up the next generation, perhaps. We need to be careful, Mark to generalize. Sure, sure. Yeah. We, we are learning from the example of Uncle John or mm. other. Also, René Padilla was expert on making a, spy, a space for others. Mm. Mm. <laughs> he never wrote a book, a mm. complete, complete book from him. <laughs> he That's always was writing books with others. <laughs> Yeah, huh. I think he he learned uh, from Uncle John that this kind of uh, huh. conduct. That's fascinating. I I'd never thought of that with Rene, but it's all it was always sort of essays and contributions and things, isn't it? Yeah, for example, the Bible com commentario biblico contemporaneo. Right. Remember, mm -hmm. he, he was leading the the editing of this very important book mm. and it was the, the kind of uh, helping others mm. young people especially mm. to 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 be known to write <laughs> mm. and and you've contributed to that um one volume commentary haven't you yes the, uh, i i wrote two articles mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that, that commentary, in a way, indirectly, is part of John's legacy as well, isn't it? Yes, yes. It's very much John's legacy. I, I, I think uh, if you see the list of the writers, the authors, many come from the student movement. And the student movement, not just in Latin America, you know, uh, in Africa, in Asia, uh, mm. has the mark of John Stott. <laughs> mm. Mm. Amazing. And the Bolivian student movement has your mark as well, because I've done some things with your successors, and one of whom is now a colleague in Langham, Eagle. So it ripples out even as well through you. Yeah, yeah. Our aim <laughs> working is to do the same with others, no? Mm, mm, very encouraging. One of the, the curiosities about John, though, um, 
and I mentioned this to you before, but the fact that he he always lived his life in London. He never lived in Latin America, never lived in Africa. And yet there, we're talking about his legacy, you know, in Bolivia and, and places that maybe he visited for very short times. It's an amazing thing. I, I, it's pretty unusual. What, what do you think it was about him that made him so influential in Latin America or maybe in Bolivia or in your contexts? I think that comes from his commitment uh, to the word of God, mm. his, his understanding and his hearing of uh, what God says in the Bible. Mm. If, if you see the Bible as the only <laughs> hope to, to the world, uh, to the global world, I think you 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 uh, write and and teach uh, in your local church, but with this uh, global focus, you know, I think uh, John understood very well uh, the the heart of God for the world, for the uh, vulnerable. For, for the ones who are uh, in need, not just the economic need, but the, the need of, uh, of the gospel. Maybe sounds uh, uh, abs abstract, <laughs> the answer, but I, I think uh, uh, this uh, interest, uh, on, on John's thought to, to know uh, leaders from other parts of the world, mm -hmm. to go personally and visit, you know, that comes from, from his relationship with Jesus and with the word of God. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that gave him a confidence to go into any context that was unknown to him but uh, with a willingness to learn and find out what was going on there yeah and by god's mercy he also enjoyed the birds <laughs> <laughs> in latin america like uh, chris wright when he came <laughs> also he was enjoying the birds <laughs> i think it almost is a job requirement to work for Langham. You have you have to like word watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, with, are you a bird watcher yourself, or you have other interests? I like very much to uh -huh. work birds. Mm -hmm. Not like Uncle John, but uh, I enjoy it very much. Uh, and we have here around in La Paz this. Uh, uh, high altitude, you know, mm -hmm. very nice uh, birds mm. to watch. <laughs> mm. I, I, I have to say that I'm much more interested in watching birds outside the UK. The birds in the UK are very boring on the whole. So <laughs> you, have to, you have to travel to become enthusiastic, I think. <laughs> Someone probably killed me for saying that, but anyway. <laughs> 
After many years working at the coalface of church ministry in his home of Bolivia, Marcelo clearly has a particular concern to equip people to minister in the realities of life in the region, with all its political, social and economic challenges. And quite apart from the nightmares caused worldwide by Covid, and they hit Bolivia particularly hard, the country has faced quite a bit of turmoil recently with the ousting of President Evo Morales in 2019. So I wanted to get a sense of what Marcelo sees as the primary challenges facing today's Bolivian church. They are, the challenges are also related to what we learned from Uncle John. Mm -hmm. to, to take the gospel to a real world, to, to a contemporary world. Uh, Bolivia is living uh, a time of uh, to see the indigenous identity and influence as mm -hmm. the very important. You know, when you came here, Mark, uh, you saw indigenous people all over mm -hmm. the markets, the the road, the, the, the streets, mm -hmm. the, the plains. <laughs> In the last sixteen years, seventeen years, uh, we had a, a change on the political. Uh, Was it your first indigenous president? After studying more, uh, it was not the first. Uh -huh. But uh, uh, I think he, he is the third or something, but he was uh, uh, focusing on the indigenous culture. And uh -huh. he, he changed the country, he changed the constitution, he changed <laughs> everything here. We, we, we are uh, in many ways a, a new Bolivian <laughs> because uh, he, he put the indigenous people, uh, thinking, influence uh, on the table. Hmm. And the Christian church today has to be uh, more indigenous, uh, has to understand the Bible in relation to what is the worldview of the indigenous uh, Bolivians, you know, uh, and, and I think uh, the contextual uh, theology uh, uh, had to be developed uh, in relation to what are the, the beliefs and the thinking and the behavior of the indigenous people. Uh, I myself today I, I feel more indigenous than before <laughs> because uh, I have a strong uh, roots and the indigenous uh, heritage, but I was not aware of that. Ah. My grandma never spoke to me in Spanish. He, ah. She was always speaking in, in Quechua. <laughs> wow. So, and you can you still speak Quechua? Yes, I understand much, but right. not, not all. <laughs> Interesting. 
do you think the church is reluctant to embrace indigenous culture or, or is it just a gradual process of acceptance? It is a gradual process. Uh, the ones who are more related to the student movement, to Langham preaching, the ones who are more related to the Latin American uh, theological fraternity, they are doing already right. the, the, the connection, the bridge mm. Mm. <laughs> between the Bible and the identity. What do you think is holding other people back? I think is the lack of reflection, huh. the lack of uh, study or understand mm. uh, what the Bible says. Mm. Uh, I think uh, it's easier to, to stay uh, in a mode of uh, the Western church uh, the church that the missionaries brought, uh, it, it is more challenging, more work <laughs> to do if, if you want to, to put uh, Bolivian clothes in the Bolivian church. I guess it feels safer to be more international in a way because you don't have to yeah, you don't have to work hard at figuring out what might need to be different in the context. Yeah, the globalization, as you, as you know, it is bringing the challenge of uh, at least to make the question who we are mm. in the midst of this uh, uniformization of the life of the, the world uh, became small. Mm who I am in, in the midst of that. And then uh, I think many countries or ethnic groups are discovering they are not uh, uh, westernized. Mm -hmm. They have more than that inside. Yes, yes. And that West doesn't always equal good. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it doesn't necessarily equal holy either. Just because it's Western doesn't make it more holy or more godly. Yeah, the concept of Western nice, uh, I think is, is uh, need to be uh, studied or, or uh, understand better because also in countries, in countries like UK, you know, there are uh, groups of people that uh, kept beliefs or calendars related to an ancient mm -hmm. world. <laughs> yes. They've not moved with the times. <laughs> For us who study the Bible and we want to be uh, more relevant, to what's happening, I think it is uh, important to hear. And, and the Bible is very rich. It's a treasure uh, in, in terms of example, in terms of uh, uh, how to know other cultures, how to reach 
other cultures uh, with the gospel. Brother, this has been a, a wonderful time both to catch up and also to hear from you. I wonder as we come to a close, what do you think the, the, the legacy personally of Uncle John for you in your own life? What is the thing you are most grateful for in Tijuana? I think uh, Uncle John opened my eyes to, to read the word of God uh, more as it is. <laughs> uh, I give thanks to God because uh, I understand the word of God now in, in his terms, in his terms, in, in hearing, hearing the, the words that God gave to us. Uh, that is related to, to being contextual, to being contemporary, mm. to being relevant. <laughs> Uh, I think about yeah what we are doing uh, here in Bolivia with Langham preaching uh, faithfulness to the world <laughs> do you remember <laughs> contemporary to the world <laughs> and clear clear clarity claridad <laughs> claridad yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sparing the time. I um, hope you have a very good um, bank holiday and good time with your family later. And um, I hope to see you again in La Paz. Marcelo spoke powerfully about the importance of engaging with indigenous cultures in ministry, people that often get overlooked by majority people groups, as has so often happened in his native Bolivia. Because there, indigenous people groups account for 20% of the nation's population. So please pray for the work in Langham Preaching that seeks to develop training and materials that suit such groups the best. In our work, we're particularly concerned to support so-called oral preference learners, since they are so often the very people who get overlooked uh, by traditional Western methods of training and education. For, for many, it's just too difficult or hard to, to enter. After all, it might seem incongruous, if not inappropriate, to seek to train oral learners to preach expository sermons from the Bible, since that seems a very literary thing to be doing. Nevertheless, we have a number of people on our teams around the world who have real skill and passion for this work, and we're seeing some highly gifted and determined people coming through the programs. So pray for them as they encourage others through their preaching and teaching to help people really get stuck into the word. Thank you so much for listening to The Stott Legacy. Thank you also to my Langham Partnership colleagues who have helped to make this podcast a reality. And special thanks to Vic Marseille from Langham Partnership UK and Ireland for all her hard work in editing and producing each episode. Please do leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, recommend it to friends, and above all, tune in next time. Until then, goodbye.